Ladies and gentlemen, it's Sunday night, so it's love pod time. Uh, tonight, I'm joined by the lovely Liam, the lovely Rob, and making his debut on the pod, the lovely Matt. Matt, how are you doing? You alright? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks, yourself? Excellent, good stuff. Uh, how are you finding uh, new Pro Evo this year, by the way? I meant to ask you. Well, I actually have taste, so I've gone for feet for myself, yeah, just to be oh, dear. a normal person. Oh dear, so Matt's one and only appearance on the podcast tonight, ladies and gentlemen, after that comment. So, <laughs> Liam, how are you doing, Chief? You well? Yeah, good, thank you. Good to be back again, two weeks in a row. So, Absolutely. Nice well, treat. Yeah, well, you keep sending me those lovely text messages with all those compliments, mate. You get your reward. It's not a problem at all. And uh, TechWiz Rob, how are you doing, TechWiz Rob? You all right? I'm very well, thanks, Chris. How are you? Yeah, terrific, thank you. I've had a... A lovely, a lovely evening, just chilling, watching a programme called The Last Ship. I don't know if you've ever seen it. No. It's on Sky, and it's absolute cheese factor, extra large. It's hopeless. <laughs> right, well, that's enough about what terrible American TV programmes I'm watching at this minute in time. Let's dive straight in. Wanderers, so, to a piece against Brighton yesterday at the Reebok. Uh, a decent, well, a decent result in the end against top of the league, Brighton. We would have been happy with that before, and I'm absolutely positive. Uh, Matt, being a debutant, we'll come to you first on that one. Um, what do you think about the game and, and what did you make of our performance? Feel free to uh, to go on at length as much as you like. Cheers. Well, I actually thought we sounded really good. I mean, I was going on commentary. I wasn't there at the time, but um, it sounded like we were doing all the good stuff right up until the goal. And obviously then we conceded and, and capitulated a little bit. But, I mean, for what felt like the whole game, we seemed to be on top. I don't know if that's how it looked. Um, when you were there, but you know, it certainly seemed like we were doing good stuff. And I think you can say that about a lot of games this year, really, that we've been the better team but just haven't necessarily had the rub of the green. But um, it felt a bit Coyle-esque like when we conceded the second one. I just thought it was one of those sort of traditional concede one, concede five sort of things. But luckily we sort of you know, had a bit of flash of magic from Dan's. But I thought we sounded quite good. I don't know about you guys, but... I think you're right in the uh, that that five minutes of madness could have could have gone either way, couldn't it? Our heads could have gone down, or we could have well, we, we could have gone the way that it did go, and that we actually took ourselves up and uh, dragged ourselves up by the by the lapels. Liam, uh, as a fellow fellow match goer, um, same question to you. Thoughts on the game and what did you make of it? It's always good to come from the end and get something, particularly when you're playing against top of the league, isn't it? Now, you know, I mean, Chris Uton will obviously point to the red card, which was definitely a red as a real turning point, but I felt that the natural progression of things would have seen us sort of pressing late on anyway. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a very, very pleasing result. You know, you can't win them all, but if, as long, when you're coming out of games like that with, with a point, you've got to see it as a victory, really. So, yeah, um, absolutely brilliant, really. Yeah, I'll concur. I'll give you my thoughts in a moment or two. But, Rob, um, same question to you, mate, really. I mean, beforehand... A draw against top of the league on form Brighton, I think most of us would have taken that. Are you in the same boat? Yeah, absolutely. I think last week I think last week I said we'd draw one one. So yeah, I was I was I thought we'd well, I thought we'd get a point. I thought we started really well. And like Matt said, I thought it sounded like we were in control until that um error from Amos kind of gave them a bit of momentum in the game. I'm not gonna have a go at me, Amos though. That's mental. But um yeah, I thought we played well throughout most of it. Um I thought we kind of lacked a final ball, which was our main downfall. So people like Silver and Feeney mainly was a bit wasteful in possession and kind of knocking crap crosses in. Um, but I felt like we were kind of playing well up until the final third and then failing to really get decent sh- decent chances. But um, yeah, I was pretty happy with how we played, to be honest. It was just a massive body blade to go two down, but then the way we bounced back was really impressive. I think Lennon came out and said afterwards that... Um, he was disappointed we didn't win, so that says a lot against top of the league, doesn't it? Definitely, I think it was indicative of the way the whole season's gone. Yeah. I mean, we had the 25 minutes to half an hour of bossing the game, I thought, uh, barring one or two corners or whatever they had on, on, on the break, perhaps, but we actually played really well, I thought, in the first mm. half an hour. Um, typical, though, by which I mean about being indicative, that we couldn't convert that into any kind of, uh, any kind of goal, or even really testing the keeper properly at all. But that's the way it's been this season, that's like the way it's going to be. Um, right, on to the next point. Was Medine obviously scored his goal at long last, and it was a cracking header as well. Uh, I want to ask you all in, in turn, well, I'll come to Liam first on this one. Uh, bit of a strange comment from Lennon after the game, I thought, in that he, was re- he said he was really impressed with the way that Medine played, because from my point of view, he was, well, he was as poor as he has been recently up until the moment that he scored. Uh, do you think Lennon's right, or do you think we're maybe being a bit too critical of Medine up to that point, Liam? 
No, I think it's fair to be critical because I think earlier on in the season, you kind of got the feeling that Medine was doing everything right. You know, he was putting himself about, he was maintaining possession, he was getting himself in the in the positions. But I suppose as that goal hasn't come, his confidence has drifted. So his performance has got poorer and poorer and poorer. So, yeah, I think I think criticisms were, were right to, to come. I think if we had managed to get a striker, Medine definitely wouldn't have played. So, you know, it's a big relief to see him score. But, I, you know, I think criticism is very, very fair, Chris. I agree. I mean, from my point of view, he, he was as poor as he has ever been, really, for the first 75 minutes of the game. And I just hope he does take it on now and can kick on and start to become the striker that we thought we had following what we saw in the, in the pre-season. Um, Matt, similar question to you. Obviously, it's difficult, difficult when you listen to it on the radio or, or online, however you, you followed the game. But do you think we can see a change in Medina now he's scored one? Do you think that will lead to several others? Or, or do you think he might uh, retreat back into his shell if that goal doesn't come sooner rather than later? I do think we'll see a better Medina, actually, because I, I think back to the Derby game where he hit the uh, crossbar, was it twice or three times, something like yeah. that? yeah. And he put himself about all game, and you know, the following game he did that as well. And I just think he's got yeah, a bit of moxie syndrome where he's just low on confidence, and it just makes him look like the worst player he could possibly be. But um, I think Lennon's comments at the end were just a bit of you know trying to build him up as much as possible to see if he can't just get him on that roll again. But I mean, Clayton said something quite interesting in his interview that he said if um, the goals had gone in against Derby, that he thinks we'd be pretty much top of the table by now with Medine's goals. So. I think it's quite clear all the lads in there think that it's just a confidence issue with him. So hopefully he will just kick on now. Oh, well, let's hope so. Uh, he had a similar similar reaction to, to Neil Danzi's performance as well. And uh, I'll come to you on this one, Rob. He, he's been full of praise of him. Uh, do you think that, uh, that Danz will ever win over the fans? Um, and I, be, I mean win over the fans in the way that he did in his first in his loan spell when we, you know, we were all full of praise for the lad and we, he couldn't really do anything wrong. Obviously, since then he's signed permanently and he's perhaps not hit the same heights he did last time out. But do you think there'll ever be a time when we'll all return to uh, our sort of universal love of the man? I don't. I don't think he'll ever win some fans over. But um, I think I, I've actually warmed to him a bit. I think he's been quite good this year. Um, I think he's been quietly doing some of the dirty work behind the scenes, getting tackles in, and Lennon picked that out yesterday in his interview. Um, the fact that he's actually making the tackles and sticking his foot in. Um, we need someone from midfield to start scoring goals, and if he's going to do that as well, then that's amazing because um, Mark Davis isn't doing it. So if he can start doing it, then great. Um, yeah, I thought he played well yesterday, and it was a really good goal. Took it really well. Yeah, I think if he well, if he starts scoring goals, then the fans are going to have to love him, aren't they? Definitely, Liam. How did you think Dan's did yesterday? Very well, very well. I don't think he'll win everybody over. I think that's that's just not going to happen. I think similar to how Feeney has done this year, where you know he's you can't fault the effort. And on its day, it can go very well for Dan's. But I think, I don't know, you know, I think that's the best we'll ever see of him, that sort of performance. And it's whether that is enough over a season is a different question altogether. But looking at it on its own yesterday, yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I agree. I thought he had a really good game. Obviously, his goal went in in slow motion a little bit. <laughs> I mean, there was almost time within that to make a cup of tea in the meantime, the time it took to uh, for the ball to trickle in. Well, that would be my point of view on it anyway. I don't know if it was the same shared across uh, across the board, but it did trickle in. But hey, it went in, that's the main thing. Um, as far as Dan's haters goes, it's a, he's an easy target, isn't he, sometimes? Um, purely because he, he reacts to people on, on social media. And, and We've had our run-ins, but obviously we're all friends, really. Um, right, Weeter and Clayton came back. We'll talk about Weeter first. Liam, I'll stick with you on that one. Uh, how do you think both did? I mean, I thought Weeter was solid, and I thought Clayton looked a lot better than I, than I actually remember him being. He was quick. He was even like he got a couple of inches taller, perhaps as well. But how did you think both did, Liam? Both did well. Both did well. I I, I was particularly excited to see Clayton back. Um, much needed, really. It couldn't be time better with obviously us losing Clough and the impetus that we get from essentially losing our best player. So yeah, I mean, I was very very sort of glad to see that Clayton was was playing and. Looking sharp, very sharp, because considering December was when he when he went out, you know, he's missed a lot of football. So it's good to see that he really seems up to the speed of the game straight away. So that, I think that will send us in very good stead. As for Wieter, he's, he's experienced enough, isn't he? You know, he's and he's certainly had experience of coming back from a long-term injury. So, you know, it doesn't surprise me that he's slotted straight in because 
he is a very competent and solid defender, David Weeter. So if we can have a fit Weeter next to either Derek or Prince, then I think we'll look a lot more solid and a lot more, a lot more, oh, what's the word? Reliable, uh, perhaps? Yeah, reliable. I think reliable. Yeah, reliable. We'll go with reliable. Yeah, I think, I think that'll be a much needed addition to our back four. I agree. Uh, I think Weeter is, is, what's the word? It's like solid but unspectacular, isn't he, in what he does. You can rely on him to win most headers. And I thought he actually looked quite light on his feet as well, made a few a few timely challenges, which which impressed me. Uh, Matt, come to you next on that one. Weeter, do you think he forms part of our best back four when fit, or would you think that Prince, uh, Derek or David would, would stake claim to that role? I just can't decide on this one, actually. I've been on and on about it ever since. Because, you know, it was Prince's third centre-back pairing, wasn't it? You know, yeah. Derek and um, David also. And I just can't really pick, which is a great choice to have, isn't it, really? But I can't pick who I'd pick as the best two. And I've got to say, I know it's not really popular, but I'm leaning towards a, a back three again with Weeter in the middle and Derek pinging balls, you know, diagonal balls and Prince either yeah. side of him. But uh, I, I'm glad to have him back because I think he does, like Lennon's been saying for weeks, we're missing that sort of strength and you know, that physicality at the back, which... Derek, you know, he doesn't really have, and Prince, you know, he's, he's certainly trying, he's certainly a bit more flamboyant, but he's not all that powerhouse that Weeter is, is he? And, no, that's uh, true, Rob. Yeah, you... no, I was going to say, yeah, sorry, well. sorry, carry on. Well, no, he sounded, I can't quite believe it, I winced when I saw both him and Weeter on there, because I thought, you know, both rushed back a bit, but, I mean, he sounded very, very good. Absolutely. Rob, do you think that sort of... Uh... Back three, Beauty and the Beast kind of scenario will be something that he might look to. Obviously, we know that he's had a, a desire to do that in the past. Potentially, yeah. I was talking about this with my dad today. My dad went to the game yesterday. Rob? and um, Yeah, so I think the back three is something he might want to do, especially when he brings, well, with Pisano on the right and then potentially with Casado and Moxie on the left. I think that might be what he wants to do eventually um, when we've got everyone fit. So I can see it working. And it kind of fits with the players we have. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the way he goes. Yeah, I, I think I would be in agreement there as well. Uh, wh- where do you see Clayton fitting in? I'm going to, pro- I'm going to ask all three of you uh, when Zach Clough returns from injury because the, the team, they seem to occupy a similar kind of role uh, that, well, what, that one of the would, would both inhabit. Liam, do you think there's room in the team for both? And if so, where would, that, uh, where would, you, where would you put one or the other? Well, it has to be Fafini, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, push push Clayton out wide, he's young enough to adapt his game and if he can't then, you know, react to that. But that would be the first, it'd be uh, that simple of a change for me. I would agree personally. Rob, same question to you. Um, Clayton and Clough, obviously you can fit them in the same team together, but who misses out for you? I think I'd say Feeney as well. Uh, Feeney or Silva. Um, yeah, I think you'd just push Clayton wide and then have Clough, Clough has to play in the middle, doesn't he? So, I think, well, Clayton played there when he was playing last year. When he was playing really well last year, he was playing on the wing, wasn't he? So, yeah, I think that's what I'd do. Yeah, I don't think you can move Wellington out. We've not got anybody half as, as no. direct, uh, intelligent, or as creative as him. But Matt, to finish off, same question for yourself. No, I'm going to be boring and agree with all of you. I think he <laughs> really stick playing out on the wing. I mean, it'll be interesting when Prattley comes back to see how Mark Davies and when Club comes back as well, where they all fit in. But for now, uh, I think Feeney would lose out. Yeah, I think once we've got everybody back fit, we're, we're, quite, we're doing all right for, for midfielders, aren't we? We've got a hell of a choice. Um, okay. Uh, next, next, de- next issue on uh, on the Brighton game was Pisano made his debut. How do you think he did, Liam? Good, good. It was um, it was exciting, really. Cause I really didn't know what to expect, but yeah, you know, the absolutely no complaints. He, uh, he, he he looked very good. I mean, he's um, he sort of was lucky in the respect that he's coming in when perhaps Wilson's forms dropped a little bit, you know, because we've been impressed with him, haven't we? Um, and obviously, you know. He struggled particularly in that in that Huddersfield game, so he was kind of lucky to come in sort of on that. But yeah, yeah, seemed seemed very good. What do you think? Definitely, I, I was impressed. I mean, he, he got up and down, didn't he? As best as you can expect from a fullback, maybe a little bit better than Wilson did. I thought he was perhaps a bit underutilized by um, by Feeney on the overlap. Quite a, uh, two or three times, he used him as a bit of a decoy rather than actually taking on and using him himself. So I'd like to see what he could maybe do with his final ball. Because I'm not sure we really had much chance to see whether it's any good or not, but uh, 
I did like the way that he was absolutely out on his feet at full time, lying face down on the turf, like he just run uh, his first bit of proper running probably for months and months and months. So it was good to see. I think we've got he's got a bright future. Um, Rob on Pizarro, obviously Wilson had a poor game against Huddersfield and paid the price with his uh, with his place at weekend. I'm going to just flip it a slight little bit. Do you think Casado couldn't expect to get in the team anytime soon, given Moxie's good form, or do you think it is dependent on Moxie having a stinker? one or two stinkers perhaps in, in, in simultaneous weeks and that then opens the door for Casado. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think Casado's going to have to wait, um, well, maybe either until Moxie has a really bad game or when we've got a midweek game and he can come in and slot in and just replace him. Um, but at the moment, Moxie's playing really well, so it's great to see. Um, and he's going to have to wait his turn, I think. But on Casado, I think... Um, I think he's definitely a better option than Wilson. Um, I worry about him a little bit defensively, and the fact that he's quite small makes me a little bit concerned that if we're playing a team with a big striker, they're just going to keep dropping the striker onto him. Who, um, Pisano? Yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, Pisano, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Pisano, but, um, yeah. But, yeah, definitely a better option attack, um, attacking-wise. Um, yeah, it's quite exciting to have like a marauding fullback. We haven't had one of those for a while. Certainly is. I thought he recovered well from a... A moderately shaky first ten minutes. You know he was beaten for pace once or twice on the on the far side. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of Paul Robinson in his stature and the, the way he was running as well, like like he just shit his pants. It's it quite interesting to see. Been been looking forward to seeing him play for quite a while now, so it was good to finally get him on the pitch. Uh, Matt, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question then. The red card for Murphy in the second half. Obviously, Chris Hutton's come out and said that he thought it was uh, it wasn't a sending off. And that Dan's made a bit of a meal of it. Obviously, you've probably seen the photo online that Dan's posted yeah. of the uh, of the stud marks on his leg. Uh, do you think that Brighton's just a bit of sour grapes there, given the final result? I think it's Chris Eden just trying to do a bit of a, uh, a Mourinho and just trying to sh- shift focus from the fact that yeah. his side lost a two goal lead. To be honest, it's you know Brighton. I don't think will be up there forever, and um, I think he'll get his excuses in as early as he can. So I think that's just him trying to play the media a bit and not doing a very good job of it. I agree. I think, you know, at the very least, you can talk about it being being a bit reckless and out of, and out of control, you know. It's not just necessarily a question of whether you, whether you mean to do it or anything like that. I think that if he did slip on the turf, which I'm sure contributed to the, the dramatic nature of it, at the same time, he still still took him out at height and it was dangerous. Liam, whereabouts do you sit in the ground and what sort of view did you get of the issue? I'm East Law. I'm not too, uh, not too dissimilar from yourself, Chris, but... Yeah. It wasn't far from me, and there's absolutely there can be no complaints. I mean, I agree with you. And looking at it afterwards, there is an element of slip there, but it really doesn't matter. The guy's two foot and half a foot in the air. Um, even if he, I mean, he, he made big connection with Dan's, but even the slightest contact there, you've got to be looking at sending him off. It is a bit unlucky, and I, you know, and I appreciate that it can feel a little bit hard done by Chris Hutton that his team hasn't necessarily gone out with that sort of mentality. But at the end of the day. It is dangerous and it's reckless and he's not in control. So, you know, it's a red card. And I don't think it had that much of an effect on the game in the sense that we would have been pushing anyway. You know, the very fact is that in the last five minutes, Brighton simply couldn't handle what we were trying to do. We were pumping the ball in the box and they looked suspect. So if I were him, I'd really consider in terms of how he can deal with a long ball in the box because a lot of teams will do that to him in this division. Well, they, they, they defended with 10 men behind the ball, didn't they, from the last sort of 25 to 30 minutes uh, after following the yellow, uh, the red card incident. Um, I, I did, it did make me wonder a little bit. Obviously, Hewton at, at one time was uh, was interviewed for the job before Lennon took it on. And his response to it, and even his response beforehand, I thought they did they were set up fairly defensively, to be honest with you. Uh, maybe gave us an indication of what uh, what life might have been like if... Mr. Gartz, I would have made a different uh, different choice. But on the topic of Murphy, I'm just going to talk about one little thing extra here. Um, the goal that they scored in the, in the first goal that Dale Stevens scored, uh, Murphy was involved putting the ball in. The Amos flapped at it a little bit. I've seen one or two tweets this weekend with people suggesting that they're not entirely convinced by Amos, which took me a little bit by surprise. <laughs> are, are, are any of you anything less than convinced by Amos? Because I'll be honest with you, I, I feel. Uh, I feel like I could trust him to look after me house while I go on holiday. You know, he's that much of a safe bet. Um, Matt, first first time to, uh, to come to you on that one. Do you think people are just looking for a bit of attention there, talking about that, or do you think Amos has yeah, still got something actually, to prove? No, I can't believe that someone said that, to be honest. I mean, mm. I, he seems to have just calmed the defence completely. He's, yeah, he seems good at shot stopping. He's got quick reflexes. He's better at distribution than Bolton ever was. So, you know, I, don't, I can't see why anyone would even think about complaining about his... Uh, 
ending in goal. So, yeah, attention seeking, I think. Yeah, I'm in full agreement with you there. I'm not even going to bother asking Liam and Rob on that issue because I know that we're all, uh, I'm sure, we're all in, in, in total agreement there. Now, one thing that we might not necessarily agree on, uh, Liam, who was your man of the match at weekend? Oh, I'm going to say Clayton. I'm going to, okay. but I can, I can understand the Matt Davis argument because the guy's running the show for us in that position. But I'm going to say Clayton just be, just because I felt it just his inclusion lifted the place. I think. And I, I think a lot of people that were perhaps starting to get a bit negative are just getting slightly reminded that we're not that bad. And I think that is down to the performance of Clayton. So I'm going to say Clayton. Fair dues. I was really glad to see him back. And it, 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 like I said, he did a lot better than I expected as well because I, I certainly don't think he didn't expect him to last however long he went, 70 minutes, something like that. Uh, and I thought he was really impressive and he really does bode well for the rest of the season if we can keep him fit can play a variety of roles as well, let's not forget. Uh, personally, I would have gone for Mark Davis. Uh, I have gone for Mark Davis, doing my Man of the Match article, which uh, which you can read on the site. I think if it's not up there now, it would be up there in, in the morning. I thought Davis runs the game. He absolutely runs it from deep. And I think it was interesting, coming back to what you said earlier, about when Prattley returns, because we're blessed with options in midfield now. And Davis is playing so well in that role. I'd be loath to, to, to push him further forward, perhaps, to, to accommodate Prattley unless you want to try and think about accommodating Prattley as one of the wider positions, which I think is probably a bit of a waste of his abilities. Um, but Rob, same question to you, man of the match, uh, as far as you're concerned. You can pick whoever you want. You don't have to pick Davies or, or Clayton. What do you think? Um, I think Dan's. I think um, I think his desire to get onto the um, loose ball and win the ball off the defender and score the first goal kind of gave us a bit of hope and kind of gave everyone hope that we could actually get back into it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Dan's. You're so controversial, you. You're so controversial. <laughs> um, Matt, same question for you, mate. Um, I think I'm going to go Clayton as well. I mean, he was just... He was playing sort of the role that Clough had, but he just seemed to be making so much more space than Clough ever did. He just seems to be a bit more explosive than he was... As Liam said, yeah, he was, just, he, he was going for 70 minutes and he, he seems to still be able to run, able to... Yeah, do it as he was in the first minute. He's obviously been working proper hard in his rehab, and I think he deserves man of the match for that. Fair enough. Not sure about that haircut though. Bringing no, back the dodgy. bringing back the bringing back the curtains. I think he's probably looking at, uh, at my haircut circa nineteen ninety two. But that's uh, that's uh, that's up for debate. Right. Well, one final point to mention before we uh, before we, we leave discussions about Brighton and move on to QPR talk after the break. Um, there's been obviously a video circulating of the stewards chucking out a little lad uh, at weekend. About 14, 15 year old lad, it looks like. Um, subsequent tweets have said that he was chucked out for all kinds of things, from scrapping with the stewards to, to chanting at the Brighton fans. Obviously, we don't know what that is, and we don't know the context of the video as well, uh, which is quite important, I think. Obviously, he's been threatened outside the ground, pretty obviously threatened as well with the words that the stewards use. It was above and beyond probably what, what he needed to do once the lad had left the stadium. Um, but Liam, what was your reaction to this? Do you think the club, um, obviously the club probably contract out the stewarding, so it's difficult to criticise the club for the for the um, the response of the steward. Um, but you know, what was your general response to it, your reaction? Do you think that it's indicative of a, of a wider problem, given the fact it's not the first incident of its type involving involving the company? Or do you think we're all maybe being a bit hysterical about it? He'd obviously done something wrong and it was, uh, it was time to get rid of him off the property. Um... I think you've summed it up quite well in that it does look bad, to be fair, as an individual, but you've got to understand that there will be a context that we have no idea of, you know, and I can understand rumours that are flying around and, you know, it's easy to make the Brighton link with it being that particular fixture. So, you know, I keep an open mind in terms of the, the guy may well have been, you know, before behaving in a way, but for me, it looks as though he's already been ejected. He's not in the ground there, is he? And it does, mm. it does look, look excessive, not only you know, with the threats that are obviously being directly made at this guy, but at the end of the day, there's more than enough stewards there, really in, in quite an intimidating situation, to the point where this, you know, this gentleman's friend has felt the need to film the situation. So, you know, and like you say, the, 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 this isn't an isolated sort of incident that we've had. I mean, I don't necessarily, I mean, I don't I'm not saying I look for them. But I've not seen too many incidences of the same nature with other clubs that we seem to get them a little bit more. Um, but, you know, I'm sure the relevant investigations will get done. And we'll probably hear no more about it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll get left. No, I mean, uh, I can imagine, looking at your beard, that you've uh, you've been thrown out of a few football stadiums in, in your time. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, have you experienced anything similar at all at away grounds? You know, heavy-handed policing or anything like that that you could maybe use as a parallel? Or do you think it just depends on the individual that the club contracts out and, and then gets employed? I think it's a balance of both. I mean, I, I have been party and seen what I consider to be very much heavy-handed attitudes from stewards at away grounds. Um, and that seems to be the you know the the method in terms of how they how they deal with it. Now I understand that the you know there is a reason for that, and that behaviour at football grounds can be a bit you know has in the past created incident and creates this situation where fans are often quite heavily dealt with, and you can get incidences where perhaps you know they're not treated with the respect that they perhaps should deserve. I do appreciate that, but you you know. I mean, I think anyone could tell you stories where they've seen a steward being quite excessive towards a fan in a situation that doesn't necessarily quite deal with that. Um, and, you know, I, there are organisations there that these fans should look to. I, I know we've got the details there for you, Chris, and you can explain that to them. But, you know, if this does, does happen to you and you think it is unfair, do contact them. And uh, they will, you know, they will help you in terms of getting it resolved. Absolutely, and that, and that addresses the S, uh, FSF, that's the, so T-H-E, and FSF, the Football Supporters Federation. They're on Twitter, they're very, very proactive, and they've, they've helped, not myself, but they've helped people I know in the past, obviously I behave myself at football matches, uh, they've helped people that I, I know in the past, they've had incidents like this, uh, mainly at Birmingham, where the stewards are absolute bastards, um, but it's something that we, we can get resolved, obviously, we don't know the circumstances behind this lad being ejected, it's been for a reason. It's only it's not fair for us to really speculate whether he's a, a Roman or whether he's not. But if you're going into the, this sort of uh, this sort of environment and you're not really sure that you're going to be able to see the game out for whatever reason, you're best off just not going in the first place. Um, there's always going to be dickheads at football on both sides of the divide, working and uh, and watching. Uh, so we'll see. But speaking of dickheads, uh, there's only thirteen thousand on yesterday, Rob. Um, Crowd's not great at this minute in time. I think they maybe were about 750, perhaps maybe a slightly more away fans than I'm giving them credit for. I mean, they didn't really make a lot of noise, so it's no wonder I, th- I thought they were a bit low in numbers. But how do you think the club can improve the atmosphere? Do you think there's anything that we can do um, other than you know win football matches, keep it simple? <laughs> yeah, I think winning a few games might help. But um, I don't know. Um, I, th- I saw something that Bright- not Brighton, uh, Bradford did a while ago where, well, they're still doing it, actually. They've got like a fans initiative uh, dropped the prices loads, um, got kids in for like a pound with, with adults. I think, oh, actually, no, kid, kids going in for free with full of fully paying adults, I think. Maybe stuff like that would help, but then the club probably wouldn't do it because they'd lose out on money. But um, I think, yeah, we start picking up points, then people are going to start going back, aren't they? I, I was surprised at only 13,000. That's that's pretty low for us, isn't it? Um it is, and I know you've had uh, you've had some de- dealings with the Football Supporters Federation yourself on the on the, tw- the the twenty pound initiative. Do you want to yeah. maybe give us a little bit of information about that? Yeah, it's basically um, the the, F- the FSF has a campaign called Twenties Plenty, which is campaigning to get um, a cap of twenty pounds for away tickets all over the country, so Premier League, League Two, Championship. Um, they've had some success in the Premier League, particularly. Um, where they've had savings of like seven hundred and eighty odd thousand pounds for fans across the Premier League, um, and they like I mentioned Bradford there. They've been involved in helping Bradford um, boost their sales sales figures massively through um, dropping their prices, dropping their season ticket prices to something like one hundred and fifty quid a year. Um, so yeah, it's a really good campaign. Um, for example, this weekend we're playing QPR away. Tickets for that are thirty two quid. So I think if you if you look at that and see 20 quid, um, you're going to have more people going, you're going to have better atmosphere yeah. in grounds. I think it's a really worthwhile, um, really worthwhile campaign to be involved in. And we're going to be... Definitely. At, yeah, we're going to... Well, there's a mini... I, I call it a protest, but it's not a protest. Um, we're going to have, like, photos taken with the QPR guys at, um, at the ground next weekend. Um, they're sending us a banner we're going to put up in the ground. It's just going to be a, um, a good promotion nationally for the uh, for the cause so anyone wants to get involved at QPR then let me know interesting because it's not that long ago if you remember that QPR uh, interesting sort of coincidence that QPR were the team that charged tried charging us 50 quid yeah and um, for the first game in the Premier League I'm not sure if it's the, if it's a coincidence or if it's just uh, if it's been chosen as such but it's interesting yeah. and obviously Rob if the people want to do get involved in that 
Um, do you want to just give your Twitter account out or anything like that that people can contact you? It's an important issue. Yeah, absolutely. If you want to get in touch on Twitter, it's at Robbie Laz. That's R-O-B-I-L-A-Z. Or you can see me on the Facebook group on the Line of VNSD um, Facebook group. I'll be on that as well. Um, so yeah, just contact me through that. Fantastic. It's uh, yeah, you're doing a got you're doing a lot of work there, my friend. Keep it up. Brilliant. Right. So um, any other business as far as Brighton goes, lads? Excellent. That's nice and nice and solid uh, responses there, just as I expected. Okay, so we'll take a short break, uh, and we'll be back in a moment or two to talk about QPR. So, Rob, press that button, and we'll be right back. Right, so chaps, we're back to talk QPR. Obviously, that game's coming up on Saturday the third. Uh, long way between now and then, but that doesn't mean we won't be talking about it because, as you know, we like to talk. So, QPR Bolton next weekend. It's going to be uh, going to be a big game. This one, I think, There's the circumstances that surround it. Few things that have happened in the meantime uh, are getting me quite excited about this one, fellas. I'm going to put us down for a win when we talk predictions in a minute. Um, but Rob, come to you first. Uh, I presume with your your attendance of the game, we'll definitely win. Given was it the Sheffield? Uh, no, it was Wolves, wasn't it? When you came up last time, the Wolves game that we that we yeah. won at yeah. home. So you're obviously obviously the lucky lucky charm this season so. for the Whites. Uh, how do you think we're going to get on? Obviously, Charlie Austin uh, went off injured when they lost four 0 against Tim Reams Fulham on Friday at Craven Cottage. I fancy us because they're in a shocking run of form at this minute in time. What do you think, Rob? Yeah, I quite quietly fancy us. Um, I think bollocks they're... to that, my friend. Bollocks to that. Five nil. Come on. <laughs> I think their form's been a bit hit and miss. Um, I think Charlie Austin's gone out of trouble a few times. He's got he's the top scorer in the league this year, isn't he? So him being missing is a delight. Although I was quite hoping to see him play just so Prince could kick the hell out of him after last season, where he clearly elbowed. Uh, was it Reem? He elbowed in the face. He did. Um, dirty sod. Horrible little man. Yeah, Reem. I think I think we'll beat them. Why not? Um, Excellent. That's what I like to hear. A bit of positivity. Are yeah. You. Uh, yeah. So I mean, obviously, we, we, we're going to have to make a few changes ourselves, possibly, because Derek's back. Uh, we believe Davit to be still uh, to, still unavailable through injury, but there's no reason to change the starting eleven. I don't think is there, unless Dan's is uh, damaged that he, he suffered in that. Uh, that heinous challenge becomes too much for him to respond uh, to respond to. But would you think would you change the team at all? Not personally. I think I'd keep it the same. I think going forwards, he'll want to keep it the same. I thought um, I thought Clayton and Medine linked up really well. I was really impressed with that. Um, so I think he'll keep them in. Um, with Derek coming back, I would be tempted not to put him straight back in. Um, I'd keep Weeter in. I think he's a bit more dependable. And like like Liam said earlier, he's a bit. He's quite solid at the back, and you, you can depend on him to kind of no-nonsense defending. I think that's what we need against QPR. Um, so I'd stick with the same team as long as everyone's fit, to be honest. OK, Matt, same question to you. How do you think we'll get on? Uh, and would you make any effort to change the team at all after weekend's performance? I wouldn't change the team at all, just purely because you know, everyone played well, and I think changing a striker just after he scored, after the first time in ages, is absolute suicide. I remember him doing it with Beckford. He was a bit of a bad run, and... He scored two in the cup or something like that, didn't he? And he, he subbed in the very next game and lo and behold, the bad streak continued. Yeah. I'm going to be a bit more sensible and go for a draw, I think, just because our waveform has been so shocking. And, you know, it, is Austin definitely out or is it just... Well, I know, it, we I know he, went off with it, he went off with a hamstring injury, so I'm, I'm, I'm extrapolating a little bit. I don't know for definite. Uh, I'm projecting the fact that I really desperately don't want him to play. <laughs> right, I, I still think draw, maybe. I, you know, our waveform has been pretty bad and I, I don't know if we'll still score again but I think a one-all draw maybe Liam same question to you I think they're struggling a little bit as of late aren't they I mean I saw a bit of the Fulham game where they got absolutely panned granted Fulham seemed to be a lot better than they were last year but still that is quite a you know it's quite a strong result so I'd go there a little bit more confident than I would have been you know at the beginning of the season perhaps and with Austin fit so but at the same time I can't say a win given our away form so I'm going to I'm going to hope for a draw I'm going to hope for a draw hope for a one-all um, with Weeds coming in off a corner I reckon I don't think that's too bad a result if it was to come if it was to come to pass to to get a point away at QPR because there's still a team with with a smattering of Premier League players in there as well perennial uh, perennial Wanderers transfer target Nedima Manua uh, leading the back line of course I just think that we can... There's something in this game. I've just got a feeling. I've just got a feeling about it. I think we won't change the team, barring Danzi's injury. And obviously we don't know how, how that is and we don't know what that's going to be like. 
But going into the back of QPR, smashed by the local rivals, and you know Fulham to, to Queens Park Rangers, obviously not too far down the road from them. Plus Austin, their main goal threat being out injured. I don't really know where the goals will come otherwise because the strikers that they've brought in, I don't think they've scored a single goal. I read somewhere that Austin's the only centre-forward for them who has actually scored this season. So there's a real chance there because we know how dangerous that lad is. He's a Premier League player, isn't he? Um, I fancy us. I'm, I'm not going to say 4-0, but I think a, a sneaky 1-0 or a sneaky 2-1 perhaps. Um, Liam, I know you said a draw, but put, put your name to a score, mate. 1-0. I'm going to go for 1-0. I, um, I just can't see us winning it, but I do agree that it's an away game that perhaps I feel a little bit more confident than, than others that we've gone into, given the fact that I just think they're, they're, they are struggling. So I'm going to say one all because I just can't see a score more than one, unfortunately. Matt, same to you. I have to pin you down to a, a goal scorer and, and, uh, and a score prediction itself. I'm definitely thinking one all. I think yeah, that will be, be the score. A goal scorer, I think Mark Davies is about overdue for one, not down from Medin and I'd be quite content with that. Brilliant, right? Okay, so only a, a, a brief segment there on on QPR, but I'm going to finish off just by asking you all in turn, if we do sign a new striker this this week, uh, God knows who, we'll talk about that maybe in a moment or two, um, would you be tempted to throw him straight in the team or do you think that it would shatter what's, uh, what fragile confidence Medina has just managed to build back up again? Uh, Liam, that's to you first. Yeah, straight in, providing the good enough. You don't know who we're going to get, but... I don't think Medine, even with the goal, and, you know, fair play, but I don't think even with the goal, it sends the right message to Gary Medine that his form is anywhere near good enough to lead a championships team. Get him in the under-21s. Get him in and around the team. Remind him that his place isn't there anyway. Yeah. I, these are grown men. I, I don't. I think we all too much the idea of confidence. You know, if you're not doing well at your job, I don't expect to have an arm around me at work. The guy needs to remind... He needs dropping. <laughs> he probably <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, that's probably half the problem in that he knows that he's facing these 90 minutes when he's out of form he probably wants to be out of the limelight for a little bit to be honest the guy's struggling he needs, to, he needs to get out of the team controversial statement Rob do you agree with Liam the, the ruthless manager of the year 2015 <laughs> um, no I don't I think Medine's not actually been doing that bad I think every time I've seen him which isn't as much as you guys but um, I think he's had a bit of a thankless task really I mean, you've got Wellington Silver, who's, I don't think, put a decent ball on his head all season. Feeney knock, knocking absolute crap into the box, apart from the one right at the end yesterday. Um, and whenever I've seen him, he battles for the ball, he bosses, well, he tries to bully defenders like Kevin Davis used to do. And he, he's just had a stroke of luck and he's got a goal. And I think he deserves a chance to lead the line again this weekend. I think him and Clayton looked good together. Um, there's a chance that Clayton created for Medine and he turned the defender really well, um, then just lacked the, lacked the finish. But I think with a bit of confidence, he could be, I think he could be a good championship striker. So I think stick with him. See, I, I'm going to just interject a little bit. I think that I'd love that to be the case. I would love that to be the case. But all this, you know, solid championship striker thing, the numbers don't bear that out, unfortunately, Rob. He's, he's, his goals he scored... <laughs> It's been a long time since he had a decent goal-scoring season. Yeah. Um, Matt, come to you next on that one. Do you think that uh, that me and Liam are perhaps been a little bit harsh, or do you think that we need to be ruthless and actually just uh, just get the best man in for the job, no matter who that man is? No, I definitely wouldn't drop him after his first goal. I just I think that's complete and utter confidence gone. I think you know this could be the start of a, a decent run. I don't think that necessarily mean goals, but I think he can provide for Clayton. He'll be able to provide for. Wellington and you know Feeney you know as much as he's maligned he does seem to score so I wouldn't drop him even if he did get a striker and I think keep him on the bench and if he does seem to be having his usual performances then we can drag him off at 60 minutes if Lennon decides to do an early sub but I'll keep him in. Okay fair enough Liam looks like me and you're on our own on that particular one but I, I agree with you mate I think the, uh, the right man for the right job at the right time let's, let's see what happens. Uh, fingers crossed we do sign a striker, but we'll have a short break and then we'll have a talk about that very, very subject. So stay where you are. We'll be back after this. Right, you're a lot. We're back in the third segment of Love Pod 29. That's right, we're nearly, nearly 30 weeks old. Imagine that, eh? Come a long, long way in that short time. Right, so segment three. I'm still joined by Matt, Rob and Liam. Uh, One Direction, as they're affectionately known around the LOV Towers. We've got the striker saga. That's how it's titled in our 
agenda for this evening. I think that's quite appropriate, to be honest with you. Uh, right, Bolton, searching for a striker for what seems like, what, five years, six years now. Um, really struggling. Lennon's actually been in the paper today. Uh, sorry, in the post-match interview, he was saying that we're actually going to have a striker in tomorrow. So, it turns that the, op- the options are Igor Vettikelli, last week's transfer target from Charlton Athletic. Today, I think it was our mate Nico. Uh, Nico, if you're listening, how are you doing? Uh, Jan Kermigan from Bournemouth uh, is the man. Fantastic uh, option, if we can get him in, in my opinion. Um, obviously, the injury suffered to Bournemouth's main striker, Callum Wilson, at weekend in the Premier League might be a block to that particular move. But your thoughts on both, please, gentlemen. Matt, I'll we'll come to you first. Um, Better Kelly, I mean, do you know anything about him? And the same for Kermigan, really. What do you think either or both could bring, apart from obviously being another body to, to lighten the load somewhat from Gary Medine's broad shoulders? Better Kelly, I haven't actually seen a great deal of. I mean, I just had a quick glance at his scoring record earlier, and it seemed decent for what he had. And, you know, he obviously went out with a, with a ligament injury last year. Yeah. But, I mean, I think Clayton's just proven that, he, you know, even if you've been out for a, a year as much as a year, there's no guarantee you're going to come back slow or anything like that. So I'd be quite actually happy with him because his record does look good from Charlton and before. Um, Kergamon, I, I can't see that happening at all, even before the injury to Wilson. But since the injury to Wilson, it's just uh, it's just not going to happen, is it? I mean, uh, I don't know who they've got there now. They, but they still got that Ratane, that South African bloke. Um, yeah, the, the chap, the chap that Dougie wanted to buy before, and then he uh, he's gone on to score what three goals in about two hundred games from or something stupid like that. <laughs> Yeah, so I think we're probably more likely to get in than anyone else. But, you know, uh, I'd be happy with Vettikele. Um, I think it's quite telling, actually, that Lennon sort of started to go in and sort of say, we'll get him on tomorrow, or he's naming targets now, because I think he, it's showing he's a wee bit annoyed that it's the deal on getting done and he's putting pressure on the board or whoever's negotiating these. Yeah, rightly so, I think, as well. I mean, Kermigan's got a good record in the Championship. Obviously, he scored a lot of goals for Charlton. One in three, approximately, and he's just shy of one in two, I think, for Bournemouth as well. Not to mention his his hundred percent goal scoring record for the Brittany Isles at international level, which is not to be sniffed at. Um, Liam, your thoughts on the pair? Better Kelly Kermigan or A N other? Um, he's got to make some sort of move, hasn't he, our mate Lenny? Yeah, well, Kermigan would be brilliant, wouldn't it? But again, I, I can't see it happening. Um, as for the the lad at Charlton, I'd be lying if I if I said I knew anything. About him, other than what I'm sure we've all done and glanced at his scoring record, and all thought, yeah, that doesn't look half bad. Um, that move would make a bit more sense, but I can't imagine for being for anything longer than one or two month loan. So it's hardly really sort of addressing the the real problem and the fact that we're at least one striker down for quite the foreseeable future. I mean, I mean, I what 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 are the options for us really? I mean, I know we spoke about this at quite some length last week and. Between us, we were really struggling <laughs> other than the names that were being mentioned in the press already in terms of yeah. who, who, who who would be available. And I think we all sort of unilaterally agreed that Kyle Lafferty was perhaps the best one, but that seems to have cooled off. He scored so an excellent goal for Norwich in the week in the uh, in the League Cup, if you saw. Mm, I, I didn't see, I didn't see. I did see that he, that he did start, though, and a few people sort of brought that to our attention that, that he was playing in that. But for me... That, that's who we should be going after. I, I just think it, it would be beneficial for us, Norwich, and Lafferty himself. Excellent. Okay, Rob, where do you stand on the striker issue? Are, are you interested in uh, in Kermigan? Obviously, he's got a decent record, but he's 33, um, so he's not a spring chicken. But obviously, he's got experience playing in France and in the Championship and in the Premier League, I think, for Leicester, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but either way, he's scored goals. He's got a decent record, as has uh, Vetter Kelly with his 11 goals last season. Or do you have your eye on anybody else in particular? Obviously, Marvin Emnes was a name mentioned at the back part of last week. Supposedly, he was a striker we had in the building as well. Lennon's come out and said, um, but that deal fell through because of agents and agents yet again. So, so, where do we go from here, Rob? Well, I think Kermigan would be the ideal choice for me, given the way that we're, the kind of setup Lennon wants to play in um, and the way he's been playing this season. I don't really see how Vettikele would fit into that. Um, I mean, he's only five foot eight, I think. So you're not going to be knocking long balls into him. Um, I don't really see that working. I think if he play, if he comes in, I think Lennon's going to be changing the way we play, which would be interesting. Um, so I'm not really sure how that's going to work. But I think Kermigan could fit the kind of he could stand in for Medine. He could be um, the replacement for Medine. 
And he had his best scoring season ever last year, I think. Um, and it's kind of a shame for him that Bournemouth actually got promoted because of his goals, because he's been dropped, and that's a bit unfair. But um, So I think, yeah, I'd like to see Kermigan come in. I think he would fit. Um, I'm glad we didn't sign Emnes, personally. Um, I don't really think he's a striker, to be honest. I think he's more of a winger. Um, so I'm not really sure he would have fitted in. And I'm very glad we didn't sign Victor Anachebe, um mm-hmm. because he's crap. Uh so yeah, I, I would go. I, I, my first choice would be Kermigan, but I think it's going to be Vettikele from what's been in the media and what's likely, given that he's not going to be playing for Charlton, probably, by the look of it. Well, we'll see. Um, Monday's tomorrow, Monday's in a few hours' time, so we'll, uh, we'll know then who this mystery striker is, whether, uh, whether it is Vettikele or whether he's got his man in Emnes or, or another. Obviously, Victor and each of you, you mentioned in there, I'm Marvin Emnes. Liam, um, would you be keen on either both or neither of those three? Uh, those two, sorry. Personally, I wanted Emnes from pretty much the start of the transfer window. Um, it was quite disappointing to see that, for all effects, we had the guy for it to fall through over something like that. And from what it looks like, Emnes doesn't seem to be too disappointed about it, really, which makes you think about the motivation of the guy to go back and sit on Swansea's bench for another few months. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, Chris. I, I really don't know. I There's no one there that gets me excited. No, because no, uh, your man Wilson from United appears to be staying, doesn't he, given uh, Van Gaal's comments this week that he was, uh, I think it was Kenny Jackett actually, a Wolves manager who was in the paper saying that uh, he'd inquired about him, but United had decided they were going to keep him and he signed a new contract, I think, in the last couple of days as well. So that's one one less. Plus, Anna Chabia, um, there was a, a very interesting piece, I didn't know if you saw it from Mark Isles in the paper today, about footballers' motivation and willing to, to stay put, pick the salary up and not really test themselves. I did wonder whether that was a bit of a a bit of a jab from our friend Mark at Emnes or Anachebe, perhaps you're happy to, to stay put, collect the premiership money and not really have to work too hard for it at the same time. Anachebe maybe changed his mind after he was played at uh, in a defensive midfield role by that genius Tony Pulis in the week. <laughs> um, but we'll see when we all get to work tomorrow morning and we open up BBC Sport while we're supposed to be working. He said we're, we're checking line again for the latest transfer information. Um, right, fantastic. Well, I think that pretty much covers... Strikers, I do believe. Um, Matt, just a, a quick one before we go. I've spoken to Robin, I've spoken to Liam in the past about their opinions on the likes of Jamie Thomas and, of course, uh, Alex Samizadi as well, the latest goal-scoring sensation from the under-11s. Um, we don't know your opinion. Where, where do you stand on those two players? Do you think if you're good enough, you're old enough? Or do you think they need a bit more time, perhaps a loan spell, blah, blah, blah? Or would you just stick them straight in and just see what the hell happens? I do think if you're good enough, you're old enough. But I don't think... Jamie Thomas is good enough yet. I think there's so much more to the game than scoring goals. And I know that sounds ridiculous and we're in the predicament we're in right now. But the, the step up from under 21s to you know, championship football is ridiculous. I, I mean, Clough didn't actually have a loan before he started. So, you know, it's, it would be a bit stupid to say that he needs a loan. But I think, you know, if he's still knocking him in after January, then maybe then's the time to get him in. I'm always in favour of getting you players in as quickly as possible. I mean, I've been for ages, but I do think everyone's getting a bit hyped up about Thomas too soon. Woolery, I think, could start now and do quite well, because I do think he could just add something a bit different on the wings when Feeney isn't working or, you know, we're fed up with uh, Wellington cutting in all the time. And, uh, you know, Walker, I don't think, has looked as good this year, but I think... Yeah, I would agree on that. I was, that. I was a bit surprised that, given our predicament on Saturday, that Woolery wasn't uh, didn't come on, or didn't you know didn't come sooner at least. Anyway, it's a bit surprising, but obviously Lenny knows, Lenny knows best. Right, Grand, uh, let's, let's put a pin in that one. Uh, we'll be back in a minute or two where we'll look at segment four, which is uh, a return of the most beloved game in the history of the football. I'm not talking about Pro Evolution Soccer Matt. I'm talking about Bolton Wanderers. Guess who? So stay where you are, and we'll be back after this short break. Oakley Oakley, welcome back to Love Pod 29, that's segment four. That's right, it's Guess Who time. As world reigning and intercontinental WWE champion of Guess Who, I'm going to sit this one out and let Matt, the debutante, uh, the new lad on the block, have his, uh, have his first crack at the, cha- at the title. You be the John Cena to my Kurt Angle. Uh, that's a little in-joke there, anybody knows it, congratulations. Right, uh, Guess Who, Rob, you're in charge. Uh, would you mind explaining to the lovely listeners what to expect and then to crack on with the story? Yeah, sure. So I'm sure you all played Guess Who when you were kids, um, where you have a board of faces and you flip one over 
and the other person has to describe the person they have on their little card. Um, so this is a Bolton Wanderers version of that, where I'm going to describe a certain player from past or present with a few clues, and the lads have to, to guess who I'm talking about. Right, Liam, uh, are you guys ready? Ready. Yeah. Ready, go. Well, that was a good one, that Liam. You look like you were determined there. Yeah. <laughs> I am, I'm, I'm ready. Researching. Yeah. He's flashed back to the gladiators, is he? That's right. He's taking his jacket off. He's ready to go. <laughs> okay, number one. I was born on Christmas Day in 1973. Okay. I, 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 I know a Bolton player that was born on Christmas Day. <laughs> okay. Is it Robbie Elliott? Oh, bloody hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's the second time I've got it off a birth. That's yeah. incredible. That's right, I'll tell you what. I, I'm not even going to lie to you. Not even going to lie to you. I've got a. I do have a backup one here. Do you want me to play it uh, with you, lads? Now, see if we can drag this one out more than one fucking question, Liam. <laughs> I'll, I, I, I'll step out on that. I, I'm retiring. I'm out. I think you should. I think you've just hit peak. Guess who, there, mate? Oh. Right then. So, Matthew, Robert, are you ready? Yeah. Let's try again. Right. I was born 13th of May 1991 in Plymouth. Okay. Okay. I have made six appearances for the Republic of Ireland under 19s team, scoring twice. That's question two. My current team in the Championship paid £250,000 for me from Plymouth Argyle in 2011. Joe Mason? Go on. Joe Mason. Mason. Well done, well done, well done. See you, Liam. That's how you play the game properly. That is how you play the game properly, fucking Robbie Elliott. Talking I'm, so- about. I'm sorry, I, I, that's always stuck with me from when I was like nine year old. I remember, I remember reading it somewhere and it just stuck with me. So as soon as I heard that, I thought, it's fucking Robbie Elliott, this. Right, go on. Uh, let's, let's have your favourite Robbie Elliott moment then, lads. My second clue for Robbie Elliott was brilliant. Oh, 19- go, on, go for your, clue, your clues first, then we'll all, uh, we'll all discuss our favourite Robbie Elliott moments from history. Okay, so number two is. In 1996-97, I scored seven goals as my club finished as runners-up in the Premier League. Um, became Bolton's record signing in 97. One of the few players to have played for both Newcastle and Sunderland. My last club was Hartlepool. Um, I scored five goals in 86 games for Bolton. I broke my leg in the first ever game at the Reebok Stadium and was out for 14 months. And I was sent off by that idiot Barry Knight in the fixed playoff game against Ipswich. <laughs> Barry Knight, what a prick! <laughs> Excellent, well, a fantastic game there, and despite Liam's best efforts, we all managed to enjoy ourselves as well. Superb, uh, we'll of course be bringing that feature back for the next pod next weekend after the uh, the QPR game. So, listen in, see if you get. It. Let us know how you managed to get on, and uh, and good luck. But right, we're not going to have a break before we go into the finale, the Twitter question of the week. Uh, we're going to crack on because it is quarter past ten, and it is Sunday night. We have got work tomorrow. Uh, right. Following his goal at weekend, we asked you, how many goals do you think Gary Medine will score from now until the end of the season? Right, let's dive straight in. Ian Firth, Super White Smurf on Twitter. Assuming he keeps his place and his confidence improves, he could just about get into double figures, which seems to be quite a common one. Uh, Line of Vienna's very own Tom Malloy, T.O. Malloy on Twitter. Four. Hmm. Okay, well, I, I put one, and I was being sarcastic at the time. A sensible answer from Liam O'Mara at 459. So... <laughs> Breaking the all-time record for goals in a season, plus also beating Lionel Messi as well. Uh, Kieran Ashworth was put lucky to get another one. Hmm, interesting. Marcus BWFC, how long is a piece of string? Um, I don't know why you bother sending that, to be honest with you, because that's utterly, utterly pointless. Uh, Ginny Hadfield, about 10 or 11, I still sense the team will keep sideways passing instead of shooting, and Medine could suffer as a result. Well, you can't score from a pass. That's probably right. Right, the next couple, we've got Gazlo and Radix, both with six. Uh, P. Wanderer, 162. And then Barcelona will buy him off us for 50 million quid. Back to reality, six. We've then got another person that said one. Another person that said two. Uh, Becky Mills said ten, I hope. But he's poor at winning headers in open play. One in ten at the most. Improve that. And we've got a striker on our hands. Uh, next one, we've got one saying eight to ten. Another one saying 12, another one saying 10. So it's a much of a muchness, really. We're either full of confidence on Medine or we wouldn't trust him as far as we could chuck him. 
Um, but Liam, um, how many goals do you think Medine can go on and score? And, and the second part of that question really is, do you think he'll be our first choice for the rest of the season? I think I think 10. I think that's a fair number. I, I do think he's got more goals in him than perhaps his form has suggested. So, yeah, I think 10. You know, and I think if he gets anywhere near 15, we've got a good sort of return from a target man striker, if you will. I would anticipate he probably will remain our first choice striker, but I think he will be rotated, but he will be the main guy. Only, if anything, because of his stature and his frame and, you know, particularly away from home, that kind of player is is priceless. I, I can't see someone that we'd get in on loan. I, I'd be very surprised if we get someone to the end of the season. And I think it's going to be months at a time, you know, you don't know what's going to happen at Christmas. It's very hard to tell in the championship because at the beginning of last season, who would have thought you know would have ended up with Lafonda as top goal scorer? You just don't know these things. But I would anticipate that the plan certainly is him to be number one. Excellent. Same question to you, Matt. I'm going to go for eight or nine, eight or nine, probably eight. It's the number I always associate with Kevin Davies scoring. I don't know why. It's just I. I have that in my head is the average goal scored by a target man so I'm going to say you'll get eight it's a very Jermaine Beckford number isn't it mm. do you think he's going to stay first choice then to the end of the season or do you think we'll be looking at, uh, at getting somebody else in given his slow start to the to the season I'd be surprised if Lennon doesn't get someone in but like we said earlier I mean who is there really I mean I don't maybe we could get someone from abroad in because Lennon seems to have the best scouts in the business really I mean I've got an Italian mate who absolutely raves about Pisano, doesn't know how he's going down the championship. And, you know, you only have to look what he did at Celtic with foreign players. I hope we can maybe find a, another hidden gem on a three or something like that, but I doubt it. But I think we will get someone in, but I can't imagine it being of the Thunder's quality. No, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? But, uh, yeah, I think that might be a bit of a fool's hope. Uh, right, Rob, to finish things off for tonight, same question to yourself. All right, I'm going to stick my neck on the line as the final of the Gary Medine fans, fans club. 20 goals this season. Wow. <laughs> I'll refer you to, uh, to an old article I posted about a year or so ago, The Curse of the Number 9, it was called. We've not had double figures from a centre-forward for the best part of about eight years, maybe yeah. even slightly longer than that. Um, so please explain to us why somebody that scored one goal in nine is all of a sudden <laughs> going to score another 19 in the remaining, uh, what, 25 games in the season. Well, I think he's just shown that he does have the potential to get goals. He's a big bloke. Um, he's got a decent touch. He's a good header of the ball. Um, I think he's got everything you need to score goals in the championship, and he just needs a bit of confidence. Yeah, but uh, what about, I think he what, could still. I, could, I think what, he could start banging them in. Yeah, but what about Gary Medine though? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's enough, him, about, that's really enough about Eski. Oh, Eski can get lost. But um, whenever I've seen him, he's looked really good. I think it's just me. But um, when was that then? In the summer? <laughs> no, he played well against Derby. I thought. He missed two chances, but he played well, generally. His link-up ga- uh, play against Wolves was good. Um, yeah, I like him. Fair dues, fair dues. Well, it's nice to see a bit of confidence in one of our players, so I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say anything anything from 8 to 10, maybe 12 on a good day, yeah, if we're lucky. Uh, but I hope that we're, to, we're edging more towards your numbers than, than mine. But brilliant, right. OK, well, I think that pretty much brings everything to a close uh, for, for LovePod29 tonight, lads. Thank you very much for your attendance, Matt. How did you find your first podcast experience? I uh, hope we were gentle on you. Oh, it was lovely. Thank you very much. Fantastic. I'm really glad, I'm really glad you could join us. It's been lovely to speak to you. Obviously, you're wrong about FIFA and Pro Evo, but I won't belabor the point on that particular one. Uh, right, well, I'm off to have a game online of a, of a reliable server of a PlayStation 4 football game that will go unmentioned. Uh, you can find us all on uh, on Twitter. Obviously, we're at Line of Vienna STE. Uh, also, we're on Facebook as well. We're trying to boost the Facebook a little bit this month. So if you, if you like us on Twitter... Give us a like on Facebook at the same time. Um, a lot of exclusive content gets posted on there as well as having the, the ability to debate and comment on, on the articles. Accuse us of lazy journalism. Whatever you feel like you want to do, um, you can find us on there. Uh, right, you can see me on Twitter at 19manning83. I'll be talking wrestling, football and uh, anything else that gets me out of doing work in the daytime. Liam, where can people find you online to have a chat and look, and look at your lovely face? Uh, the normal places on Twitter. Um, Liam underscore... Or Mara, or just, you know, have a look outside in your garden at the bottom of there to see if I'm crawling around, you know, especially at night, that kind of stuff. <laughs> the Hindley night crawler, as he's known in the uh, in the local parts. 
Matt, what about yourself? Where can people find you online? I'm at Matt underscore Wood 34, and I'm in a bush further away looking at Liam, so that's it. <laughs> Excellent. Rob, I don't want to ask where you hang, where you hang around uh, on, on weekends. Hopefully it's somewhere a little bit more salubrious than that with your, your southern. You're probably in a bush somewhere, but with a nice pair of hunter wellies on, or something <laughs> similar along those lines. But where can people find you on the, on the old internet, my friend? Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Robbie Laz. I'm on FIFA, actually, on the same username. And what? I might be getting involved yes. in Pro Evo as well. Yeah, oh. I need to buy Pro Evo, so... Well, just make sure you do if you want to be continue to be our tech whiz mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a thinly veiled threat. Right, so we'll leave it there for you all. Uh, hope you've enjoyed tonight's pod. We've certainly enjoyed it as well. Give us a listen on uh, on iTunes. Leave a review as well. And like I said, if it's a five-star one, uh, then that's perfectly okay. If it's not, then don't bother. So have a pleasant week. May the force be with you. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.